You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher discuss what inner child work is and how it has impacted their healing journey. If you have ever experienced times when you feel young on the inside, there's a reason. That reason is often a wounded part of you that still shows up and is asking for attention. The good news is you can pay attention and learn how to care for those wounds in ways that bring safety and security to your adult self today. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candice. What's up? (laughs) We are finally getting this going. We've had quite the morning with technology, but I'm excited for our topic today. Can't wait to dive in. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to notice that I have a different background because I had to leave my house because I was having Wi-Fi issues. But we really was so looking forward to doing this podcast because what we're talking about today in inner child work has become, I think, our favorite resource. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at what is inner child work. We're going to do some readings of things that we wrote down about our experience with inner child work. And just know that it's going to give our listeners just another resource that they can try out for themselves. And if they need help with that journey on what that looks like, they can reach out to us on our website or our email at candisshare at gmail.com. Do you want to begin that discussion of what is our intention today with looking at inner child work? Yeah. And this just feels so important because as you said, this work has been really significant for both of us in our healing journey. And what we really want our listeners to go away with today is a new openness to that little child inside who has carried so much shame. We want them to go away with a new understanding of that wounded child, a desire to get to know their own little boy or girl or parts. Sometimes we even have more than one part or or one inner more than one inner child. Curiosity about what it might look like to meet them with love and kindness and a recognition that this understanding and awareness really begins to bring healing that can power that can really empower us to step up and live from our adult self more, more often, rather than living out of that younger part that is still in a wounded place, scared, angry, confused, whatever they may be carrying. Instead of living out of that, we're more able to live out of our adult self. Mm -hmm. So that's what we want for our listeners as we dive into this topic today. And for some of our listeners who are a little familiar with this, there's different names that people have put to this. I want to say don't tune out if the idea of having an inner child feels weird. What we're really talking about is those young wounded parts. Sometimes people call them shadow parts, but they are parts of us that have gotten stuck at the time of trauma that we can't prefrontal cortex our way out of. And the reality is that our childhood trauma caused our young, beautiful, innocent lives to be replaced with insecure, overbearing, critical, 
or protective little parts inside. And really, we call this fragmentation. And it's not the same thing as multiple personality disorder or anything like that. It is the way that our limbic brain categorizes our developmental trauma. And I think it's beautiful because as we then begin to get these glimpses of these younger fragmented parts, they are like little children that we can move toward with love and kindness and care and and guidance and discipline. And so as we recognize the fragmentation, then we can move toward integration. And when we move toward that integration, we're functioning from these places of wholeness. This is the healing journey is so important. It's so important. And If we get on this journey and even work with someone who can lead and guide us, there comes a point most often where we start to go, okay, this is starting to make sense. And then when we've worked with other people, when you start to see that shift for someone that it's starting to make sense. And I will say it took me what, like a year for things to really start to make sense. Yeah. So it's not about going fast. It's not about trying to figure all this out. It's it's just about being open and, and willing to explore what would it mean if I had the ability to care for that wounded part of myself and bring healing and yeah. that I, I'm not dependent on thinking that it's someone or something else that has the power to heal me. Right. And we want to kind of begin our time today sharing a little bit of our story or or our journey. So Candace is going to actually read a few paragraphs and then a little bit about her journey into understanding this. And then I will read a little, a couple of paragraphs also about my journey in before we start talking more specifically about how and why we move toward these young places. So Candace, do you want to go ahead and read just a little bit that explains your journey of coming to understanding your little girl? I will. Thank you. It took time for me to get comfortable with the idea of having an inner child. I could easily name distinct times I felt young and sometimes still do, but I never considered those times were young wounded parts that were controlling certain aspects of my behavior unconsciously. Once I began turning toward my inner child, I felt immense compassion for my youngest part that my story coach helped me name as a widowed child. I often see her full of life and curiosity, a lover of nature and movement, a bit of a tomboy. And then almost overnight, she became afraid. When my dad moved out of our home, I felt so much loss and now can name, I felt abandoned. That little girl has been quite easy for me to draw near and love. However, as she ages, she becomes problematic. The way she begins to self-protect, to numb and cope, leave her in continual cycles of shame and self-contempt. My teenage girl is angry, fun party girl, and there's very little she will say no to if it dulls the pain and gives her pleasure. In the last year, I've experienced more freedom and healing as I have sat with my youngest child, seeing her, soothing her, and providing her safety and security. There is so much grief in her heart at times, but now I move towards her. I feel her pain and turn towards clean grief as opposed to allowing my teenage girl to handle it. I used to hate my teenage girl. She got me in all kinds of trouble and made the worst decision. Truly, 
it sometimes feels like a miracle that I'm alive. And maybe it is. When I began doing inner child work, I prayed and asked Jesus to go with me when I needed to talk to my teenage girl. She scared me, but I can say today that I love my teenage girl. She was brilliant in so many ways. And though she made unhealthy decisions in her pain, she had a true passion for connection and getting to know people to really understand someone at a heart level. She often used her body as the means to not feel alone. It was a resource for her survival. Of course, that came with painful consequences eventually, but she continued to manage her coping skills for many years before a new path was put before her. As I have soothed the pain of my youngest part, my teenage part has been willing to stand aside and receive the wisdom I now offer her. The more comfort and care I have given my littlest, the quieter my angry teenage girl has become. Her voice today is filled with hope and a sense of adventure. She definitely still needs guidance at times, but I am having so much fun connecting to her beautiful heart and her dreams. Whew, that got a little emotional for me. Yeah, and rightfully yeah. so. I can say I've been a witness to a lot of this journey and it's it's been beautiful, hard for you at, at a lot of times. And yet as the understanding has come and as you have been able to really engage with her in loving ways and understanding ways, mm-hmm. I have just watched the transformation and it's it's been beautiful. Thank you. I am just so grateful that you've been one of those witnesses and have not come into agreement with that contempt that I had for her and just really helped me see her in different ways. So are you ready to read your piece on your inner child work? Yes. Many years ago, I was able to say out loud that I was aware of a little girl who lived inside of me, but even then I didn't know what to do with her. For much of my life, I often felt young. There was a familiar feeling and it brought a lot of shame, especially in settings where I felt insecure. I would notice that I felt seven years old. I remember when I started college or a new job or being around people I didn't know well, I would often think to myself, what am I doing here? I don't belong. I feel like I'm seven years old. I really hated that little girl. When I started therapy, I would refer to my little girl in the third person as she or her, and I had a lot of contempt for her. I remember my therapist asking me why I hated her so much, and without a moment of hesitation, I replied with much contempt, because she is so stupid. She stayed there in that house of horror. She should have run away. My therapist asked me where I thought she could go, and I thought about it but could not come up with any place where my parents would not come and get me or anyone who had the strength to protect me from my parents. My therapist inquired, no grandparent, no teacher, a neighbor, a policeman, a social services office, no None of those places would have been safe. I grew up in a small town and my dad was powerful and I believed he knew everyone. I could not imagine anyone who would have hidden me or protected me. My therapist then asked with such compassion, 
Why do you feel so angry and hateful toward a little girl who had absolutely no place to go? And this was the exchange that started me down a path of seeing my little girl in a different light. But it was many years before I was able to turn toward her with attunement, kindness, and compassion in ways that could happen once I started to recognize and know and tell some of her stories. Wow. That question that that therapist asked you was the beginning. Yeah. It was the opening that you were able to go, hmm, maybe there is a different story here. Right. Yeah, because we as children, we always take the blame, right? We feel like we didn't do something that we could have to get ourselves out of that situation of trauma. And the reality is, if we look at another child, like if I picture a little child who I know today in that situation, I would have very clear understanding of why that child would not be able to rescue herself. Mm-hmm. But when we look at our own journey, our own story, we often put these adult responsibilities on a five-year-old or a seven or a nine or an 11-year-old that, of course, they could not do. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, just very, very powerful for me to, to really begin to look at her through different eyes and begin that journey of compassion. Yeah. And the contempt that you had was for your littlest girl and being able, you know, like you said, thinking that she should have been able to rescue herself. Yeah. And my story is the same in the sense that I was a little bit older when I started having self-contempt for that teenage girl. But it really is the same story in that being named a problem child, a burden, rebellious, even at that age, I had to look at that story from a different perspective of what was she really doing and wanting? What was she needing? And she was just trying to soothe and cover up so much pain. I don't see her as rebellious anymore. Yeah. I love that. And that's what we want to talk a little bit about now is why should we deal with our inner child? It's it's not an easy place for people to go. So why would we want to actually go here and deal with, with our inner child? Can you put some words to that? Well, if we don't do this work in, in some way, we continue to stay stuck in cycles that we, we really don't understand why we're not able to just think really hard and put a lot of discipline and practices in and get over it once and for all. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember years, years and years of crying and agonizing and thinking, okay, I'm never doing that again or thinking that again. And it would always circle back around. And when yeah. it circles back around, the the shame and the contempt is even more. You make those bold declarations because you found the thing that was going to help you never to do that again. Yeah. It's important to go back to get unstuck. Right. 
And I think what we sometimes we don't understand is that our little child has a lot of power in our lives because again, go back to our episode a couple of weeks ago on the limbic brain, because that's what we're talking about here is the messages from our limbic brain are flowing out through these personifications of these inner child personalities. The way that I like to look at it sometimes is that my inner child has her hands on the steering wheel. She's driving the bus and that that might look like I'm I'm feeling really young or I'm feeling really scared or I'm trying to micromanage something some aspect that has triggered me and feels somewhat unsafe to me then my little one will step forward and grab the wheel and she'll take over now that I know her more I can catch her quicker and say, Ooh, Ooh, a little baby girl, you, yes, I know you're scared and it's not okay for you to drive the bus. Will will you step aside so that I can drive the bus? And this is me stepping up in my adult so that I can use my prefrontal cortex and I can respond to the situation from my awareness and my knowledge and my wisdom as an adult, not from the perspective of the, the child who's very scared or very angry. And you can respond from so much love and compassion and understanding and kindness that invites her to come forward, that invites her to feel safe because she's not going to be shamed and judged and ridiculed. You know, that, that's why as we're doing this healing work, we really do sometimes have to shut down a lot of voices in our lives that don't understand this because we have to be in a compassionate place that other people can say, I see you, me too. It makes sense to me now. I'm healing. I've gone before you and you're on the right path. Right. And I think, you know, we tend to live in the context a lot of judgment and condemnation, where there can be even ridicule or mockery or even bullying if these younger places step forward. If if we get caught in those places where we are joining in the condemnation of those young places, we can't bring healing. We push that away. We, We go into hiding and pretending and performing. But when we, when we can move toward these places of wounding, these places of trauma, and give it the weightiness that it deserves, when you are assaulted as a child in some way, you need help. And too often, we did not receive any help at that time. And so now when we go back and we begin to offer our own soul and and body and and heart and life, kindness and compassion, it brings remarkable change and healing. It does. Most people end up in this place where they're crying out for help because though we always offer kindness and compassion and understanding, and we, we really do feel the agony of that pain, We also know that if we allow those wounded parts, those younger parts to unconscious, those those unconscious drivers to kind of lead the show, there's consequences. 
a lot of times people start this work because they're tired of the negative consequences in their life, whether that's they let other people power up and over them and they don't know how to use their voice, whether that's addiction, whether that's realizing yourself that you tend to power up because you're afraid and you want to stay in control. At some point, we realize the consequences of those things that are driving us need attention. And a good way to kind of measure whether your inner child is standing up a lot or controlling your life a lot is to look at the quality of your relationships. Are your relationships, are you experiencing in the context of your relationships, all that you want? Are they loving? Are they fun? Are they, is there security there? Is there mutuality there? And not perfectly. Uh, We know there is no such thing as perfect, but are we experiencing what we want and more and more? If we're not, and if we're, if we find ourselves going through the same cycles over and over, struggling, and then wishing that we could change, and then maybe implementing a few steps, but then boom, we're back there again, we're struggling. And then we wish we could change and we try to find change and we implement some change, but then boom, there we are back there again. And if you find yourself awake in the middle of the night asking yourself, why can't I change? Why can't I have the life that I would love? Why can't I have the quality of relationships that would be so delightful and bring so much pleasure to my life and me to their life? These are good indicators that your inner child might be creating more dysregulation and trying to take over because he or she still feels a lot of insecurity or fear or anger or distress in some way. A friend of mine shared this with me a few weeks ago. I don't even know if I've shared it with you. I probably have because I share almost everything, I think. (laughs) But she said it's the concept of up or out. And What that means is in the context of your relationships, are you bringing one another up? And if not, why are you not getting out? Like, what is it that you are staying in relationships that continue to bring hurt and harm? And so it's this idea of up or out. We're either going up or this isn't going to work. And like you said, that doesn't mean perfectly. It doesn't mean you don't have hard things to work through and understanding attachment and all of those things. But I I just, I've been really thinking of that up or out. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the little child wasn't able to get out, but the adult can. Right. So kind of to just summarize this section, what I want to say is that so often we minimize the harm that came to us through childhood trauma. And we have tried to consistently say over and over that childhood trauma matters. It has profoundly impacting effects on our lives. And it's worthy to work toward finding Mm -hmm. healing. And as we talk about inner child, I want to just name a couple of things like, why do we give this attention? And because number one, this part of our harm is so worthy for us to give attention. We still need what we did not get back then. If we needed 
somebody to attune to us and bring kindness and care and make a place of security. And we didn't get it back then. Parts of us still need that now because we still carry the wounds until we really find healing. And those wounds do impact our life and our relationships in such huge ways. When we continue on in this woundedness, we go into those cycles of hypoarousal or hyperarousal, such as feelings of insecurity or silencing our voice or those ways that get us dysregulated that then often do bring chaos and conflict into our relationships. All of this work that we do now to bring the four S's to our inner child, to see them, to soothe them, to make them safe, to, to help them grow in a context of, of security. This is the healing journey that is so important and so worthy. And so we want to just close today by naming some of the tools that we use that help us really tune into our little inner child or our teenage child or which, whichever parts we, we are noticing are dysregulated. What are a couple of the tools that you use, Candace, on a regular basis that you have found effective? For me, it is being consciously aware that there are times she's going to invite me to hear her and I need to slow down and listen. Now, there's also times that I pursue her and kind of do some proactive work. But when I start to feel or think something that feels young, I, I'm noticing it more now. And it really is an invitation to really slow down and, and really listen to see like, what work do I need to do today in that area that she's trying to get my attention? Because she trusts me more now. She trusts me more now, now that I'm moving towards her to help protect her yeah. and not letting my teenage girl bring that protector part in ways that's not always good. She's, I'm hearing her more clearly now. Yeah. I love that. When we hear them more clearly, then we can really honor them. And that's where we can bring those messages of, of course, you are feeling afraid right now. I know your stories. Of course, you're feeling angry right now. I know your stories. We can honor their voice. We can begin to really parent or reparent our, our own soul. We, we come toward them with the kindness and compassion that we longed for as little children. And I want to just read a few of these. And we want to just tell our listeners that they can go to our website at www.processingtraumaoutloud, click on the resources button, and we are going to have a resource there where we will list out some of these ways that we can move toward our inner child. But I want to read a few of them quickly right here. We can listen to her, offer care and compassion, be tender and kind, honor her feelings, Notice how our perceptions are tied to her. See her as a child. Treat her as a child, not as an adult. Provide space for her to express all of her emotions without judgment. Help her get back to play through art or dance or drama. Hold her, rock her, sing to her. 
ask her, what do you need? And we have a whole bunch more that we will put in this resource because it's so helpful for us to know what can we do when we sense that our inner child is needing some care. We are creating space to give her what she needed that will help her mature, that will help her grow. It's interesting, the paradox of the concept of being childish or childlike. And Jesus invited us to be childlike, but what we're doing is helping in those childish places heal so she can step into being childlike again, even as an adult, which you and I are both experiencing. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, and I'll just close with this. This is, I guess this is for our YouTube watchers. As I opened my closet this morning and thought about what to wear, I, 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 my eyes just fixated on this shirt, which is very colorful and it, it has flamingos and it's just fun and it's very childlike. I literally felt like my little girl said, wear that. And I hadn't (laughs) worn it yet. And it just felt like, yeah, this is the perfect thing. And it just feels so good to be, to show up in just that little playful kind of a way that allows her to know like, yeah, I love that you, that you suggested even what I should wear today. So we just want to say to our listeners, this topic of our inner child or our younger parts is so important. And we could not say loud enough that it's worthy to move toward these young places so that we can bring healing because this is such an important part of our healing journey. So good, Cher. And so good to be with you today. Love you so much. I love you too, friend. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Caleb Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.